Welcome to the Managing Happiness Podcast, helping you to find your true purpose, bring out your A-game, and cultivate the right habits. We're interviewing experts, authors, and thought leaders who are here to share their tried and tested methods that will help you to thrive in life. Here's your host. I'm super excited to talk to Kurt Nelson today, who is one of the leading applied behavioral scientists in the USA. Kurt brings expertise in understanding human motivation to help people to understand how they can influence and drive positive behavior and change, which is, I'm so excited to learn from him today because this is what we do with Magic Happiness, help people to inflict positive change in their lives with, with habits, etc. So, and we started off talking, we found out that we both have aphantasia and then, you know, we just, it was just super rare. Like she's the second person that I meet who has aphantasia, which is, we cannot create images in our minds. So yeah, and then we just kind of got lost and just started chatting. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. So Kurt also is the co-host of two podcasts, one on positively applying behavioral science to life and work called Behavioral Grooves and another one called Weekly Grooves. And he loves geeking out on behavioral economics, history, psychology, and fantasy genres. It's interesting that you're into fantasy because like fantasy is like, I guess with my aphantasia, I don't enjoy reading fantasy books. I just read like self-help or business-related books, other stuff somehow doesn't, does not. That interests me. And he's also biking, canyoning, skiing, and spending time with the fam and friends in their cabin. So we're aligned with the some skiing since I'm four years old. So yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah skiing. So um, back to the topic on behavioral science and how can we help people to be happy, positive, and implement the right habits in their lives. Because I'm a big believer that habits determine everything in your life. You know, the stuff that you do over and over will really program your future you know if you're rich or poor happy or unhappy overweight or in shape it all boils down to which habits do you cultivate in your life and your mind so um curious to learn from you what are the best tips and tricks and hacks to accomplish this you know, <laughs> i mean there have been books and books and books i'm sure you know written about habits and habit formation and habit stopping habits bad habits which i think sometimes is the the one that we don't necessarily think about and often is the harder of the two, particularly if we have a negative habit of smoking or overeating or over drinking and a variety of other factors that come into play. And, you know, habits happen most times unintentionally, right? We do them because they become unconscious. And so we just have a behavior that we do. We get some sort of psychological reward from doing that behavior. Sometimes that's tied to an extrinsic reward. People pay us to do something and various different things, but then that reinforces this idea that, oh, if I do this behavior again, I will get that reward. And so it becomes this loop and we've talked you know, I think Sean Aker kind of identified this concept called a behavior or a habit loop in his book. And the idea of this loop that happens you know, and reinforcing in our brain again is it oftentimes it's the release of dopamine is the precursor to us doing the behavior that is the habitual behavior that we're looking at. And that comes because dopamine is often misunderstood. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter, gets released in our brain. Oftentimes people say, oh, that's the reward neurotransmitter, the reward chemical that goes in our brain. And actually dopamine has multitude of, of affects in the way that it impacts how we think and how we feel. One of them is reward, but the bigger one is actually this wanting 
idea. So when dopamine gets released, when we want something, and so we all of a sudden, or actually when dopamine releases, we want something. And so that's how you build this habit is because you want that reward that comes with the behavior that happens. And so the more that you can build in those positive loops of saying behavior, reward, and there's usually a trigger that happens that sets off that behavior. So whether it's a time, whether it's a place, whether it's a person, that is kind of that whole component that goes into that habit loop, so to say. I'm curious with habit loops, because, you know, I guess it's like short term, like triggering the dopamine release in this moment. But I think like in terms of being successful, like if you are good at delayed gratification, this will like really serve you well. So kind of like, how does this play together? Yeah. So again, there's an aspect when we think about positive habits, like if you're trying to use habits or routines in your life that are trying to drive for specific goals and you're trying to do that, that delayed gratification is really important. And we've talked a lot on our podcast and talked with some really powerful people that, about goal setting and goals and how goals are utilized as part of this. And one interesting piece that happens is that we often think about goals as just these things that are out there. And actually goals can take on two different pieces. You can have a means goal. In other words, so I need to lose weight. So to lose weight, I need to exercise every day and I need to decrease my caloric intake, et cetera. And so that's the mean. So I can have a goal of exercising five times a week for 30 minutes each time. I can have a goal of only eating 1800 calories a day or however that, whatever that is. And those goals are very powerful because they're short term. You can measure them. You can check them off. You can have that piece, but they're not very inspirational. They don't get me up in the morning, right? They're not the, the type of goal that I'm going to go. Yes, I get to go and eat 1800 calories today. Woo, this is fantastic. <laughs> but the goal that there's also then there's your life or your inspirational goals that you have. So the means goals are to get to that end. And that's where that delayed gratification that you talk about comes in, because those are the ones that, hey, I want to have a healthier life. I want to have written this book. I want to have, you know, achieve some success at whatever workplace or in my family life. And there's certain long-term impacts that I want to have. Those are the things that get us up in the morning and can keep us moving, but they're hard because goals, power for motivation, going back to that dopamine release is there's a thing called goal gradient theory. And so when we start with a goal, we often have high motivation, right? It's, it's new, it's exciting. We're doing something. And then you have the problem of the middle and the middle is where that motivation really decreases. But yet at the end, motivation increases. And I, I use this example of my daughter all the time, my daughter, who's now 12, but when she was two years older, so we walked to the park, park is fair ways away from where I live. And at the beginning, she's all excited and she's like pulling my hand and we're going down the blocks, you know, and then a couple blocks in, she starts slowing down. And then by three or four blocks, she's like, daddy, you know, pick me up, Papa, carry me, you know, so I got to carry my daughter. And until we get to a couple blocks away from the park where she can start to know, oh, the park's right up there. And then it's let me down. And then she's running so far ahead of me. Right. And it's the same with us. If we think about that image, that idea that you have to be carried through the middle part, that difficult part. And the motivation from goals comes at that beginning and at the end. And so how you set up your goals, do you set them up as these long-term things that you can delay that gratification? And that is enough power for you to pull you through? Great. 
most people, it's, it's a little bit harder and you have that middle dip. And so you got to figure out, can you set milestones? All right, we've reached this place or that place. And that's a good piece. So you get a little uptake of that, or you set those means goals of, you know, check marks and various different things. All right. We walked, we have 10 blocks to go. So I have to walk every block. All right. So now I'm walking block by block. And so my goal is that. It absolutely makes sense. If you have like just a goal that's too far out and too big, then you may feel too big to tackle. But if you I feel like, oh, it's 10 blocks. But if you just like, okay, I just go like one block or like take a few steps, you know, then it becomes much easier. And then when you have, when you can tie an emotional goal to it, for example, I want to feel good without a shirt on when summertime comes around on the beach, you know, like this is like, you know, a much stronger motivation. And what I personally found, I kind of also going back to, I think you talked about this, like that people do things for others. Like this is like deeply ingrained. There was like this TED talk where he talks about like they gave students $20 and 50% had to buy something for themselves and 50% had to buy something for somebody else. And the ones that bought something for somebody else were like way, way happier, measurably happier than the ones that bought something for them. So I always do my best that when I set goals that I kind of think about being of service to somebody else because this like motivates me way more like in everything I'm doing like just like having like a certain number in the bank account like does not trigger any emotion but like you know paying off your parents house or like whatever like this is like way bigger and then once you have this this big cool emotional goal it's much easier to not buy the the 20th pair of Jordan sneakers so like whatever <laughs> it's just really like this is like small like gratification versus like the the big thing that you know you can actually have impact in people's lives it's really interesting the way that you talked about that david because the idea of doing something for somebody else and we all have different personalities and the idea that you know some people are really good about setting a self goal and then sticking to it and that number in the bank account for them or whatever that goal is is really important and part of their self-identity is that's the type of person i am the vast majority of us aren't necessarily wired that way. And so to your point, I am much more likely to achieve a goal if I know that goal has some impact or some element for some other people. And so if you can set to your point, and I loved how you said this idea of the bank account number or paying off my parents' mortgage, right? That has a, it could be the same amount. You could be trying to save a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand euros, whatever it would be. But the idea of having that as paying off my parents' mortgage is vastly different from a motivational perspective than having a hundred thousand dollars in the bank account i would even go so far in like this having this number in the bank account it's a trap people think like if i achieve this then they're gonna feel happy if i'm gonna get to this then they're gonna be like when we sold our last business my business partner was like you know dude it's gonna feel so great once we have the money in the bank account once the wire comes i'm like you will not feel any different you know not, nothing will change you know because like all your needs are met is just like some some icing on the cake and He's like, no, it's going to feel great. And he's like, and when it happens, I actually like, so what changed? He's like, yeah, you're right. Like, it's the same, same. <laughs> Nothing really there's, there's an aspect of that, right? So there is that momentarily satisfaction you get. It's the winning of the game and you're, yeah, this is fantastic. But that fades really quickly. And, and, and particularly when we think about monetary goals like that, and there was research, and I can't remember who did it, where they asked uh, people making $25,000 a year how much would you need to make in order to be fully satisfied and happy? And they said, oh, 50,000. They asked people at 50 and they said, oh, 100,000. And I'm getting these numbers wrong, but the basic premise is the same. And then they asked people at 100 and they said, oh, 150, right? And then they actually did a longitudinal and some of those people at 25 made it up to the 50. 
And what did they do? Did they feel satisfied? Did they feel happy and content? No, they became like those people that they had asked first about 50 and they said, oh no, I need to make a hundred. And that's called the hedonic treadmill. This idea that we get acclimated to the world that we live in and we want more. So there's some really good evolutionary components within that, because if we just kept kind of being status quo and all right, I have enough, you know, there isn't any progress that happens. And so there's some evolutionary benefits that are built into that element, but it's a built in piece of who we are. And so that idea of setting yourself and saying, I'm going to be happy if I just get that new car, I get that house, get that job promotion, I get that however much money in the bank is really a false idea because of this idea of this hedonic treadmill that we're on. But also it limits us from enjoying the journey, which is really the process where happiness comes. That's what it's about. That's, that's what it's about. It's, it's, it's all about the journey. It's all about like enjoying the process of like creating and making and doing because then you, you know, live a fulfilled life and you just don't like work in a job that you hate just like to hit this monetary goals. It's a wasted life. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's this other aspect that if th this has been some interesting research too, that the people who set that goal of happiness being at some point versus the people who are happy in general, the happier people tend to actually succeed more in business than when they're looking at these things. And there's, there's some, I mean, if you think about this, it's like, well, why does that, what's that correlation? What's the causal aspect of that? And you kind of think like, who is it that you want to work with? Do you want to work with that person who is constantly, you know, only focused on some end goal and doesn't care about today and everything is focused in on achieving some external piece that's further down the road? Or do you want to work with that person who just brings joy into the, into to the workplace and is happy? And enjoys the and, process. And, yes. and we know emotions are contagious. This is a, a well-documented thing. So if, if you go into a room and you have happy people in that room, if even if you're feeling down, you're more likely than not to feel an uplift in your emotions. And same, if you go into a room full of negative people, you're more likely to have, you know, a decrease in your emotional um, feeling affect. And so this idea of, you know, surrounding yourself, and we know that teamwork and people, you know, the, the social aspect of work and all those other factors are really important in getting ahead and making for performance and productivity, all of those things. And so it makes sense when we think about it from that perspective. We've talked with people who are obese and they're losing weight and various different pieces. And in order to achieve that, you can do it with on your own, but it's a lot harder. And if you keep your friends that are, again, going to, as, as I say, you know, your friends who are going to say, hey, let's go out to the bar on Friday night, have a couple beers and a couple Who's big burgers and fries, food. right? <laughs> yeah. Is that the person that is going to help you to achieve this? Or do you want that friend that says, hey, let's go for a walk around the lake, right? On Friday night, we're going to go walk around the lake. We'll get some water. We'll go and watch the, you know, a concert or let's go biking or let's do something. To your point, if you can prune those people out and it's hard because we are social creatures and we have friendships that have oftentimes long histories and we like being around these people and we like doing some of these things. And that's the difficult part of this. But if you really want this, if this is truly something that you want to do, 
you have to understand that you might have to change the way that you interact with your social group, whether it's your family, your friends, even some coworkers and various different aspects of that. Absolutely. And I, you know, I still, with, with these people that I kind of pruned out, like if, if I meet them, whatever, you know, I just like hang with them, like I'm always nice, et cetera. You know, it's not like, oh, screw you. I don't want nothing to do with you. I'm just like not looking for that much contact. You know, I'm, I'm minimizing, you know, contact with them. And that's what you need to do. It's not like saying, all right, I, I can never see you again. But it's not, I can't do every Friday and Saturday night out with you and then a Wednesday, you know, bowling league and, you know, we're eating three pizzas while we're doing that. And there are people who have enough fortitude that they can change and say, all right, we have the pizzas in front of us and I won't eat those pizzas. But that's hard. Context matters. The idea that our behaviors are driven by willpower and you can know about this with habits, right? This idea, but it's the context that you're set within. You are much more likely to eat a donut if you go into a break room and there's donuts out on the table. If there aren't donuts on the table, you're not going to eat a donut. But if there's donuts out there, as much as you would like to resist, it's kind of hard. We make up excuses in our brains. Especially, we have especially when, of, when it's late, late in the day and you had like, you're tired and you're tired, like, yeah, you're doing whatever, different yeah. things. You've had a stressful yeah. morning. It's like, ah. Yeah, I, I deserve this and I only do one, right? And then you, you know, do one and then sometimes the what the hell effect it fits in, which is an actual effect that people talk about is the idea that, all right, I ate one donut. So what the hell? I'm just, I'm off of my diet for today. So I'm going to, I'm going to eat that cheeseburger and I'm going to go, you know, have the cheese sticks and I'm going to, you know, have the milkshake. And then you've just tripled down on, on the negative aspect that you have. Down, and, downhill spiral. Yeah, it's so, so important. That's also why we, we do these personal development clubs with Managing Happiness. We launch them in, in the organization. So like we have them also open clubs because being around people who want to grow, who want to be in their A-game, who want to thrive, they, you know, it helps you to um, do this. And also there's this positive peer pressure effect. You know, I, I love peer pressure, positive peer pressure. It's like when we're in the group and we track our habits together and or like we have certain things that we commit to doing, so you don't want to be the one who's like, not pulling his weight or not doing the homework or not doing committing to what they said they're going to commit to. And this is like, you know, what, what makes it really, really powerful having the circles of. We've people. done some interesting research with companies on kind of reward programs, incentive type programs for different people. And we, we realized that the motivation to not be at the bottom is actually more for most people than it is to be at the top, right? I just don't want to be at the bottom. I don't want to be that last person. And if you're on a team-based component, there's often people get this idea of a slacker effect, right? Oh, well, it's, I'm on a team, so I don't have to work as hard because the others will pull my weight. And actually, there's a counterweight to that. That does happen. I'm not going to say that it doesn't. There are people that are going, yep, there's, there's that piece. But there's another factor that is if the team is small enough and we can see the impact that others are having, we have the idea that you just said, I don't want to be the one that lets the team down. And so that motivation to not be the weak link in the chain is again, very, very powerful. Yeah, there's this book that had a really big impact in my life. Uh, it's called The Four Agreements. It's basically the agreements. I've heard of it, with. but I have never read it. So yeah. Re really amazing book. Also very quick read. I read it like once a quarter or one, every six months, uh, reread it. Anyhow, book had it's about the agreements that you make with yourself. One is like always do your best. One is never take things personal. 
I want to always communicate clearly. For example, like if you're I'm married to my, I'm together with my wife for 26 years, but I still tell her what I want unexpected. Don't expect things unexpectedly. And the last one is be impeccable with your word. You know, because it's we're all wizards with our words. This is like something that's in there. So I can be a black wizard and I can destroy you with my words. You know, like you never amount to nothing, or like tell a kid you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb. Or I can be a white wizard and build you, build you up. You know, so like, yeah. oh no, you're gonna be like like a good coach, like get back up. I know you can do this. You have it in you, blah, right? And so we want to be like this with everybody around us, like the people that we lead, et cetera. But we also want to do this with ourselves. Like, you know, yeah. how do you talk to yourself? You're like, oh, I'm a worthless piece of shit. Like, oh, no wonder I did this. You're like, oh, why didn't I stick with this habit? Like, it's so easy. Why the heck can I do this? Versus like, all right, we fell off the habit train. That's tomorrow. Good behavior again. We know we can do this. We're going to rock this. And like having this positive self-talk is like so crucial to achieve anything, basically. The idea of self-talk is is key. So when you talk about that, the idea that we all have a tape track that's going on in our brain, right? That's playing different things. And if you change the cassette that goes in there, it can change your outlook. It can change a variety of different pieces. And I'm not a psychologist that is a counseling. So I'm, I'm not a clinical you know, psychologist. I've studied industrial organizational psychology. So it's a whole different world. But they do do like therapy sessions on self-talk and they're very powerful because particularly people who are depressed and a variety of others have ruminations that they're doing and they're negative ruminations about what's going on and it just keeps it's on repeat in your brain and so if you can change that rumination tape right if you can change that to being positive various different pieces so that's that's there i remember the researcher it was gary latham who was one of the premier researchers on goals, but then has changed some priming and fantastic, wonderful man. One thing that a habit that I have is I have this from BJ Falk from who wrote Tiny Habits is the Maui habit. You're familiar with the Maui habits? I am not. And I know most of BJ's work. So tell me. So it's, it's in the morning, you tell yourself today is going to be an amazing day. Okay. It's like, that's it. Very simple. And I've been doing this for a long time. It's like in my habit tracker, like one of the things I check off and it has a big impact. Just wake up. And you kind of feel like, ah, but if you say like, okay, today's going to be freaking amazing. It's just like the whole outlook of everything changes as ridiculously small and stupid as sounds. But I've been doing it for a long time and I cannot, you know, I'm not a scientist. I can't prove it, but it's just like from, from a feeling from like getting stuff done, it, it makes a big, big impact in my life. Well, and once again, what you're doing is you're priming yourself to have a good day. And so you're setting yourself to notice the things that are going good. So in any given day, you're going to have X number of things that are good. You're going to have Y number of things that are neutral and you're going to have, you know, X, Y, Z, Z number of things that are negative. And what we pay attention to is what we think about that day. And so this idea of setting yourself up to notice those good things, then you pay more attention and you focus on those and that then lends it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy to a certain degree it's the same thing like oh i just bought a, a green bmw now i see bmw green bmw's here W's exactly everywhere. right you do that you focus on those pieces so by setting yourself up to say that today is going to be a good day your brain is gets it is our brain is really smart in some ways and really dumb in other ways right it, it is just this wonderful machine that can formulate you know uh rocket ships that take us to the stars and do all these math calculations and all this kind of stuff. And yet, you know, we forget 
our loved one's birthdays and we eat donuts when we don't want to eat donuts in different pieces. And you can trick your brain. We can trick our brain into doing some of these things. And, and I say trick and it's probably, I mean, that's again, using words is probably not the right word to use for this, but you can train your brain to be more open to the positives in our lives and different things. I, I think it's also important to make this decision. I think it's a decision. Is the world pro David or is the world against David? Right. And if you kind of like make this, this decision, like things are happening for you or happening against you, you're in a victim position or you're in an empowered state. And think about that. So as we talked about the X, Y, and Z number of things, you know, positive and neutral and negative, if I'm in the negative, if that mindset that the world's against me, where do I focus? I focus on those things that happen to me, that Z column versus, and I discount that X column. And so then you, it reinforces that. Of course, the world is against me because look, I had this person who snubbed me and didn't reply to my email today or, or was nasty in the, in the line when I was getting coffee in different pieces. But you miss the chance of that wonderful person who went above and beyond and, and came out and helped me, you know, get the groceries into the car or whatever it would be that happened. And so by changing your mindset, you can change the outcome of what you have. That's awesome. I could probably like talk for another few hours with you. <laughs> love, love nerding out with you and getting science back information for the stuff that um, I'm thinking about. Well, I will leave you with one since this is this is about managing happiness and various different things. So we talked with Nick Epley in a recent episode that we did. And one thing that he is studying is we know that social interactions that we have influence our life, make our life better. We, we are better off when we have positive social interactions, whether those be close friends or even just kind of, you know, weak connections and people in coffee lines or on the train or whatever that would be. And yet we don't very often go out and start those conversations, particularly in public places, people on trains or in a line waiting to get coffee or different things. And yet that his research shows that if we do, if we just start instigating some of those conversations, so instead of looking at our phone and trying to do whatever when we're on the bus, when we're, we're going there, if we start up a conversation with the person that is next to us, you're going to have a much better life. It seems scary. You know, it's like, they don't want to talk to me. What am I going to say? It's going to be stupid small talk. No, you just talk about real life world things. And if you do that, your well-being in your life will go up. And so that's the one I'll leave your, your listeners that's, with a, with a task to say, start a conversation with a stranger this week. I always like ask a few questions. You know, I have like a few things in my tool build of like stuff that I'm good at, but I can provide value. And I always just ask a few questions to see like, if it's one of these areas I can provide value and then it becomes like super easy to connect and yeah. be of service to others. You know? And you're not talking about the weather or some, oh, you know, no, 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 no. you're, you're actually surprised. having meaningful conversations, which is the key piece. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for being on. People can find you under behavioralgroups.com. It's one of your podcasts and then weeklygroups.com and also Lantern Group. Yeah. Um, maybe you'll just like share what you do with Lantern Group. So maybe people can use you, your, your services. <laughs> like yeah, so Behavioral Grooves is the podcast where we talk to researchers and practitioners around behavioral science and applying that to work and life. Just kind of some of the conversations we had here, but with people much smarter than me. And then a Lantern Group is, it's a behavioral consultancy and communication agency that I, I run. And we work with organizations taking behavioral science insights and applying that mostly around employee engagement and motivation. So 
you're having issues with how your company is, your employees are, are engaging or being motivated, we can bring some of these behavioral insights in to help you look at the different types of processes, programs, manager training, you know, the incentive plans that you have, all of those different things and help bring that together. So awesome. Very cool. And people can reach you by going to his websites or I guess you're also on LinkedIn under Kurt W. Nelson. Yep. And actually I'll reach out to you regarding the, the organizational development because I'm a, it's like one of my geek out topics to like how to get the perfect culture and like build trust in, ah, in, in my, my businesses, you know, so we can nerd, nerd on there. David, thank you. It was my pleasure. And this was a lot of fun. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. And if you as a listener enjoyed this podcast, which I think you have and you got a lot of value out of this, then please go to the Apple Podcasts app and leave us a review. Would highly appreciate this. And check out Kurt's websites, Behavioral Grooves, Weekly Grooves, and Lantern Group. And rock and roll. See you in the next one.